Well, good morning. Good morning. <laughs> it is so good to be with you. I'm Reverend Nicole Riley, lead and teaching pastor here um, for one more hot minute. And uh, if you'd like to follow along with today's message, you can find it on our sermon notes. So we have officially arrived at my last Sunday. <laughs> Okay, for those of you who are sad, I'm not sure everyone's sad because I heard a little woohoo. Um, on the plus side, I am your first guest preacher next week. So, uh, holiday weekend, here we come. So, that will be great. Now, we are in week three of our series, The Most Important Things. And these are words that Jesus gives to his community kind of at the end of his time with them as, as they're looking at what's next for all of them. Now, here's the thing. Um, Jesus is talking to his disciples as the church starts, but this really applies to any kind of transition we deal with, right? So we're dealing with a transition here where you will be getting new pastors. In fact, they have moved into the parsonage so they moved into the church house, which is just over there, and people have been bringing them delicious meals, which is wonderful. And they have also started moving into the offices. So they had a moving truck come last week, and so things were delivered. And there's big man furniture in my office now. <laughs> there's, there's no more, you know, a little tea set and little teacups. So we, we are seeing the transition happen there, which is really good. But what we're talking about is transitions that happen in all of our lives. All of us go through transitions. Now, I'm going through this huge one where I'm moving from being a senior pastor to serving for 30 years in the church and stepping aside so that I might take better care of my health in the midst of being diagnosed with a, a chronic blood cancer. So this will let me kind of slow down my pace but continue to serve but in a little different way. I'm gonna guess that while I'm in the midst of my transition, the church is in the midst of its transition, you have transitions too, right? We all are going through seasons of transition, maybe not in this moment, but we all experience them. So it may be something like the birth of a baby is a big transition, or getting a new job is a big transition, or having kids graduate from high school is a big transition. A lot of the transitions we deal with and, and are in the midst of are good things, but even if they're tinged with a little difficulty, we know that transitions are just challenging. Transitions are hard. And so where do we go for help? Well, we go to these words that Jesus has for us. He has words for us that will help us in the midst of transition. And so we're talking about these as our guiding principles and looking at them for the church, but also, I hope, for your own life, too. So these are the principles that are most important. And so far, we've looked at love, and we talked about how in the midst of transition, it's quite normal to kind of take a step back, fold our arms, and say, well, we'll just see how this goes, right? Hopefully you don't do that when you bring a new baby home from the hospital, though. <laughs> but 
whatever, if you're in a new job, you might say that, or in a new community, you might say that, or getting new pastors. And we talked about how really what this calls us to, to love, is to decide that we love already, to decide that we're all in, that we're not waiting for people to win us over. When we show love, we decide we're not going to take a a wait-and-see attitude, but we're going to love and welcome, and part of that's forgiveness. Uh, Whenever there's transitions, whenever there's new things in our life, it's really easy for things to go awry, for us to hit a rocky road, for miscommunication to happen. And so we have to forgive. We have to be people who know going into a transition that we love, but also that we will offer forgiveness. Our second guiding principle is vision. And when we talk about vision, what we're talking about is God has an ideal future for us as people and for our church, and he invites us to remember that and to hold on to that when things are tough, when things change, when transitions happen. He invites us to hold on to it and to believe and to lean into him even when we cannot see how this is going to work out. Sometimes we can't do that very well and we go into fear. Uh, I don't know about you, but there's certainly been times in my life when there's been transition and I've responded to it by trying to control all the things. You ever do that? I'm thinking yes. Vision calls us and reminds us that God has us and that while we may not see the road clearly, we can trust that he does. So we started with love and we talked about vision. Today, we're going to talk about transformation. So here's our scripture for today. This is John 15, 1 through 11, and we're going to actually focus on the beginning of it, but I wanted to read the whole thing so you have the context of it. Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine grower. He removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. But every branch that bears fruit, he prunes to make it bear more fruit. You have already been cleansed by the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me as I abide in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit, because apart from me you can do nothing. Whoever does not abide in me is thrown away like a branch and withers. Such branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. But if you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask for whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and become my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. I have said these things to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be complete. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So I love this image of the vine and the branches and then the fruit that happens out of that. 
how we are branches. Jesus is that vine that we are all connected to. And that connection is what gives us transformation and new life and growth. Um, the scripture I read to you is one of my very favorite texts because it reminds me of what having a connection to God can do in our lives. So I want you to think about in your own life, what has that connection done for you? If you would think of yourself as a person of faith, has it changed you? Has it transformed you? I know it has me. I would think that if I had not been a person of faith, I would have turned out very differently. I see my own um, nature, and I think I would have been a lot more selfish, a lot more greedy, a lot less trusting, a lot less open. I wouldn't have received the healing that I've needed in my life throughout different transitions. I wouldn't be as giving and generous as I've worked to be because I would have liked to have just kept it all for myself. And as I go into this new season in my life, I think without God, I wouldn't have the joy and the peace that I feel. I have seen God transform me, and hopefully you have experienced that same thing. But here's the thing that makes it the hardest, I believe. God transforms us often by pruning us. Now, our text speaks of this. It says it this way. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine grower, and he removes every branch of me that bears no fruit. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes to make it bear more fruit. There is a very famous book written by Rick Warren called The 40 Days of Purpose, a.k.a. The Purpose Driven Life. And I always thought that I would write the next book in that series, and I would call it The 40 Days of Pruning. <laughs> right? I'm kind of like Nicole Scissorhands in my book cover there. I'm actually holding a basket and a cupcake, but I kind of like it this way. So, the 40 days of pruning, but here's the thing about that book, no one wants to read that book. No one wants to read that book because no one likes it when their lives get pruned, when things fall away, when things that they love change. It is hard. No one wants to be pruned because pruning is not fun. Now, pruning, of course, from a gardening perspective, is important to keep things growing and moving forward. It's the same with us. But it's so hard on us because many times we have things we want to hold on to forever. And when they change, we get upset or disoriented or we don't know what to make of it. The first church I served, I was there for a very long time. I was there for 14 years. So it was a big transition when someone new came in. And she called to tell me one of the things that was going on there about six months in. She said that the church did not understand why she would not color her hair to match the liturgical seasons. <laughs> in fact, there were people so upset about it that several people had called, sent emails. They had only known me as their pastor, and they figured all the pastors did this. <laughs> One child, even on Sunday morning, started weeping 
because he was so brokenhearted that she had one color hair. How do we deal with chaos in the midst of transition? How do we deal with change? How do we deal with being pruned? A couple ideas. First, we hold on to love and vision. Now, here's what I mean by that. Whenever a transition happens in our own life or in a group we're part of, people oftentimes are not their best selves in the middle of that, meaning it may trigger in us fear or sadness or loneliness or overwhelm. We may not be sure. And so in the midst of it, we're called to hold on to one another and hold on to the love and vision that we feel. If you are in the midst of this transition and you are feeling a little shaky, not quite your best self, that's kind of normal. That's kind of how it goes. And for others of us who aren't in that space, what we're called to is to offer grace and love and mercy and encouragement. The second church I served when I got there, I had a wonderful choir director and in my second week there, she made an appointment to see me. She said that she had had a terrible nightmare, that I had fired her. Now, I was never thinking of firing her, so I said, did I do something? Did I say something? And she said, no. She said, I am just so anxious in the midst of this transition. And I think many of us will find ourselves there because it's change, it's newness. And so we're called to hold on to love and vision for one another. And second, I would say this would be helpful. We have to answer the question, so if pruning is about discomfort, why do it? Why not hold tight to what is? Right? I mean, a lot of people do. They fight any kind of change, any transition that might be going on in their lives. But change brings us transition and growth, and it's needed even when it's uncomfortable. This is why transformation is one of the most important things, one of the things that pushes us to what's next. When our son Jacob was seven or eight years old, he came to me one day and he told me that he had decided he was not growing up. He wanted to live with me forever. Of course he did. <laughs> he wanted his father to cook his dinner every night. He told me he would like to just spend his life watching Rugrats and eating Lunchables forever. And I could kind of understand that. Can you kind of understand that? Right? Being an adult is hard. And so I think there's a point for kids where they look at all that we do and all that we're responsible and they just go, I think I will pass. <laughs> but Jacob was transformed, right, from a child into an adult. And he was able to move into all of this. Now, is he 100% happy about it? I would doubt it. Because are you 100% happy about it? Not so much. Adulting is hard. But I also know that he would not have been happy to stay eight years old, watch Rugrats, and eat Lunchables his whole life long. He would have at least had to upgrade to charcuterie boards, don't you think, right? 
Transformation is an important part of all of our lives, and our church will continue to be about that. And that means that there will be seasons when we go through change, and it will be hard, and it will be confusing, and it will be painful, but we are called to live into it because God wants to transform us all. Romans 12 puts it this way. It says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. The world shies away from discomfort. It shies away from change. It doesn't know the vision that God has for it, and so it steps to the side and says, I'd like to just hold on to what I have and how it is. I understand that feeling because as I have been in the midst of transition, I have felt like that too. I have wanted to hold on to what I have instead of letting it go so that there might be what is next. When we embrace the transformation that God has for us, it says that we're going to live into believing and following and loving, even in times when we can't see clearly ahead of us, even in times when we don't know what's next. God does this transformation in us in a whole variety of ways. Someone told me this story many years ago, and it's a story I've kind of kept close over the years because it's a story that means a lot to me and has helped me think about ministry. And it's a story of a pastor who became very ill, was close to retirement age, and thought maybe he would just retire. But he felt that God was calling him to stay instead. And so as he continued to serve, he became weaker. He wasn't feeling as well as he had, and couldn't do what he used to do. And so some people stepped up and helped him with the work of administration. Then he found that he could no longer really get out and visit people, go to the hospital. And so other people stepped up and did that work. And then he felt that he was too weak to preach on Sunday mornings. And so other people in the congregation said, I, I hear a word from God. I, I would like to share a word on Sunday. And then, toward the very end, he was unable to stand at the communion table. And so, in his brokenness, he would bring him up, and others would hold up the elements as he would bless them. Now, when he died, the church had been transformed from a place where they loved their pastor to where they were the body of Christ alive in a whole new way. In times of transition, my friend, you will find that God goes to work transforming you and I. And he does this by inviting us to keep our hearts open, to grow our patience, to listen to where he leads us, and to trust him in the midst of all of this, even when it's unfamiliar and we can't see what is next. I know you, and I know that you will continue to be a people who listen for God's voice of what is to come, and that you will lean into where God is calling you next. This is important. That transformation is what's going to happen to us all. 
and we can lean into it together. Now, I wanted to end on a lighter note than a story about a pastor who dies at the church, so (laughs) I thought I would share with you some of the transformation I have seen in my four years here. Um, Some of this is transformation that's been ongoing that I got to be part of. Some of it's new during the season I was here. And I will say this, sometimes transformation is easier to understand and appreciate when we look back on it, right? In the midst of it, it's awful sometimes. But I want to share these 10 things with you so you can see how God has worked and how God will continue to work. So number 10, God knew that I would be coming here before we all did. Now that picture there, which is a little dark, hard to see, but I'm sure you can see Michelle's right in the front, our uh, former associate pastor, and then other members of our church are there. This is a conference, and I was not your pastor at the time, but there was an extra ticket, and so it was offered to me. And so I spent a handful of days with you all before I even heard from the district superintendent. And what that did for me was it gave me confidence in saying yes to coming here. So God knew before we did. Number nine, extended Advent, because why not? So one of the things that I think God has been doing among us is helping us think about our beautiful traditions and thinking how we might enjoy them in a deeper and more holistic way. Um, Advent is usually four weeks, and we extended it to six weeks, which is the same amount of time that Lent is so that they mirror each other. And it enabled us to slow things down, to enjoy the music more, to hear more of the story. I don't know if you'll continue to do that. This year especially is kind of problematic because, um, you know, Christmas is a Sunday this year. So you might be starting Lent, you know, in August with how the calendar works. So I don't know. You have to figure that out. Not for me to worry about. Number eight. So we've done a lot of growth and learning together. We did Daring Faith. We read the New Testament 40 days. We learned about the cross and its power. We talked about um, how to be a disciple. But there was one thing we couldn't accomplish, and that was we did a series that we called the No Complaint Series, and we were inviting one another not to complain for three weeks. If you were here, this is 2018, right at the beginning, and, like, people were so stressed out about it. (laughs) At the first service, someone still had his bracelet on. Right? And he was still working this process of not complaining. Because the idea is you had a bracelet, and when you complained, you had to move it to the other wrist. On Sundays, people would show me how red their wrists were from moving the bracelet back and forth. Okay, number eight, number seven. We were transformed as we stood with the suffering. Um, You know, we have been together during this time of COVID. And as a congregation, we experienced some significant losses. Uh, People we loved who died. In addition to COVID, we also um, stood with those who were dealing with cancer. We have a child in our congregation who came through cancer and is now well. Um, And then we have some people who have some chronic things going on in their lives, health-wise. And I think those of us who have known these people and have stood with them, we have been transformed as we have learned to care for them in the midst of their suffering. Number six, new ways to worship. Like, really, a lot of new ways to worship, right? 
Um, online worship was certainly a whole new thing for us, and um, it was a wonderful uh, season for us. Michelle and I had a lot of laughs together because we would do Wednesdays, Sundays on Wednesdays, and Rex was here with us, and Bobby was here with us, and, and um, you know, we figured it out. But then we also did other things. We did worship on the lawn. How many of you came to worship on the lawn? Right? We did that. We did walkthroughs for um, Advent and Lent. We did drive-throughs to pick up that amazing communion bread that we used to get, right? So we did all these new things, all these new ways of worshiping. And God used these things to transform us as much as sitting in the building and enjoying this beautiful space and enjoying church as usual. Number five, we gave to our ministry partners and got into the community to serve. So one of the things that has transformed this church for a long time is its commitment beyond itself. Whether it's family promise or bridge to home, the homeless ministries in our community we have had a great focus on that, and in fact, it's not only the financial giving, but it's the showing up and serving and providing food. Uh, Project Chaco Sente and Tirza, and also uh, the dentist that we support, Dr. Belinda Forbes. And in addition to the offerings we gave, we got out there and did stuff. So I mentioned the feeding that we have done, but we have also done days of service. We have done time where we have gotten involved and made a difference. We have created healthcare kits, and we have created um, kits that are hygiene kits for people who are in the midst of a, a disaster that are being sent to them. So we were transformed by giving and serving and doing these things. Number four, we did a campus remodel. How crazy was that, right? We heard God's call as we were coming out of COVID to do something new. And we had been working for years on looking at how we might revision the back half of our campus so that it might be a place for new generations. Uh, we still need to raise $30,000. When we raise that, then we can do the second part of our campus remodel. But it's about welcoming families. It's also about making a, a huge difference for mobility issues back in that part of the campus as well. So we were transformed. We were transformed by our giving and our serving and our generosity and our excitement about what God was doing. Then number three, our 50th anniversary and 52 new members. You know, God, as we were moving out of COVID and we were moving back into some more normal things, one of those things was our anniversary party, right? And we celebrated that this church had been here for 50 years of here for good and that people had been transformed for 50 years. And we welcomed 52 new members into our congregation. Some of them were people who'd been hanging out in the pews for a long time, but once I had that black t-shirt with the gold writing on it, they were like, yes, I am ready. <laughs> Others were new to the congregation, and so this was a way for them to get involved. Number two. Amazing worship. Now, do you know that we have amazing worship music here? Do you know that part? Yeah, right? Here's something you may not know about me when I go to a church, when Jeff and I go to worship. Um, 
we go to a church where there's good music. Because if the preaching's bad, you can just pull out your phone, right? I mean, you don't have to suffer. You, <laughs> come on, let's just be honest here. I'm here because the music's amazing. And the music lets us be transformed by coming before God and worshiping him. So whether that's at the 9 o'clock, Anne and Stephen, who have done so much for that music program. And today we had Lindsay filling in because it's Anne's birthday, and Stephen's out of town, so Sherry was directing. You know, the seriousness that the choir takes in coming and being part of that. And then, of course, for all of us here at the 1030, we had Dave for so many years, so it's so nice that you're here with us today. And then Christine, who is our new worship leader, <laughs> who is supposed to be on vacation but is here because there was a need in the band, and, and she is here with us. And then our amazing band. <laughs> they show up each week. They do the work during the week, and they make a difference for us so much. The music is amazing. And that was happening way before I got here and will continue way after I leave. But it is part of how God has always been transforming his people is through worship. Now, number one I want to share with you is this is what my legacy is to you. This is, I think, the most important thing I've done during my four years here. And it is this. We have moved from donut holes to donuts. <laughs> right? When I got here and I saw that we served donut holes, I was like, what? Donut? What? Especially because, like, my second week here, some small child climbed up on the table and took, like, ten of them and just shoved them into his mouth. And I thought, hmm, we could stop that. We could just get real donuts, and then he would be fine. Um, I think uh, this, is, this is my legacy to you. I mean, I'm really just joking, but do not let Andy and Camille go back to... <laughs> And don't let people pressure you to go back to donut holes, okay? Now, really, the number one thing is this. A growing church that's here for good. Now, this is the picture that we took on Pastor Michelle's last Sunday with us a couple weeks ago. And what you see is a group of people who have stuck with this church through all the ups and downs that any church goes through and is now ready for what is next. We have moved through challenges, and there will, of course, be challenges ahead, but this is where we are today, a community of faith that knows who it is and is ready for what is next. So, I have been transformed by this church. I am different than I was four years ago when I arrived here, and I hope that you can say the same thing. Sometimes it hasn't been comfortable. It hasn't been easy. Sometimes there's been pruning that's happened. But in all of it, God has been present, calling us and creating us so we can live into his future. So, I love you. And I know that you will continue to grow. You will continue to be the church that God calls you to be, and that you will do all of that when you remember the most important things 
the third of which is transformation. Let us pray. 